Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, Associate Editor at the Libertarian Republic and host here for the Brian Nichols Show on the newest podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show, yes, we have a libertarian bias, but we're for anyone and everyone all across the political spectrum as a goal of our show is to present the news that you care about in an objective manner with a goal to help educate, enlighten, and inform. Today, uh, I am actually running the show solo. No guests. Um, today's, it's, it's a busy time of year, um, especially here in Philadelphia with the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles Championship Parade. Um, which, as a Dallas Cowboys fan for me, hurt a little bit, but I did pick the uh, the Eagles to win, so it worked out uh, quite well, I guess, uh, for, for the city of Philadelphia. But um, going forward, you can follow me on Twitter uh, and Facebook at Liberty, and uh, please feel free to subscribe to the uh, Patreon at Liberty to help us keep producing the great content you enjoy. And uh, finally, also, please share today's podcast with your family and friends to help promote the message of liberty. And if you would, please take a moment to write us on iTunes. Uh, so today we have a, uh, a mishmash of stories I wanted to cover um, that have been, uh, I guess, going through the news cycle here in the past week or so. Um, and the, for those of you who, who uh, weren't with us last week, we had a great discussion you know, with uh, John Pierre Maley and uh, Brendan Noble with regards to intellectualism uh, within the conservative movement and libertarian movement, focusing more specifically on uh, the likes of Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson. And and the week prior to that, we had uh, Derek LeBaron and Paul Riley on to discuss uh, man-made climate change, climate uh, skepticism, uh, and to see if we can find some common ground there as they were both uh, pretty adamant uh, climate change uh, I guess I won't say alarmist because that word has some negative connotation, but I take the uh, the approach of uh, being more of a skeptic. Um, <clears throat> but with that being said, let's uh, dig into the uh, the top stories of the day. First story I wanted to cover uh, here on, on the top of my uh, my news stack uh, from the Star Tribune up in uh, Minnesota. Students in Duluth, Minnesota, will no longer automatically get schooled in the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn from the uh, the ever uh, loving Mark Twain, uh, otherwise known as Samuel Clemens. Or the trials of Atticus Finch in Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. In an effort to be considerate of all students, the two novels which contain racial slurs will no longer be required reading in the district's English classes next school year. They will still be available in the school for optional reading, however. Quote, the feedback that we received is that it makes many students feel uncomfortable, said Michael Carey, director of curriculum and instruction for the district. Again, he continues saying conversations about race are important uh, are an important topic, and we want to make sure we address those conversations in a way that works well for all our students. Carey said the decision made as a group by district leaders and leaders of Duluth's secondary schools came after years of concerns shared by parents, students, and community groups. The change was announced to district staff members late last week. Stephen Weatherspoon, district uh, president of the Duluth chapter of the NAACP, called the, long, uh, the move, quote, long overdue. The literature has oppressive language for our kids, Witherspoon said, and school should be an environment where children of color are learning equally. There are other novels with similar messages that can be taught, he concluded. He then continues saying, our kids don't need to read the N-word in school. They deal with that every day in our community and in real life. Racism still exists in a very big way. The classic novels will be replaced with other yet-to-be-determined books. 
and to conclude, Harper Lee's Pulitzer Prize-winning 1960 novel To Kill a Mockingbird tells of a White Depression-era lawyer, Atticus Finch, in a small town in the South who defends a black man falsely accused of raping a white woman. Uh, in Duluth, it was typically taught in ninth grade. Mark Twain's 1885 novel The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, the story of a white boy becoming friends with runaway slave as they escape down the Mississippi River, was taught in 11th grade. Controversy over the classic literature isn't new in Minnesota or nationally, where their use has been debated in school districts across the country. Carrie said that Duluth teachers will be quote-unquote key in helping to select new texts. He finished by saying, we're doing this on uh, consideration of the impacts on our students and specifically different groups of students in our schools and especially our communities of color. Um, so I... I uh, I had mixed feelings on this this um, on this this story that took out of uh, Duluth, Minnesota, because um, I myself, I you know, throughout my schooling, both in high school and actually in college, um, had the chance to read both uh, Art Atticus Finch's story in the uh, the To Kill a Mockingbird, but also uh, Mark Twain's uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And um, as as a white male, I guess I can't place my perspective uh, above that of uh, an African American a child reading these stories in middle school or in high school. Um, but with that being said, I think one of the, uh, the issues that's being overlooked in this, um, this story is, is the value of the message, uh, behind, uh, the relationships that are built, uh, between the characters throughout both novels. Now, more specifically, um, with, with regards to, to kill a mockingbird, uh, if, if you hadn't had the chance to read, uh, to kill a mockingbird, uh, and as this, uh, this uh, newspaper article I read here described um, basically the entire premise is you have uh, the child uh, growing up watching her father uh, who is the, the lawyer for uh, the community who is now in this embroiled case uh, where an African-American man has been accused of raping a very impoverished uh, white woman, her, her family, you know, it, it takes this as to be, you know, it, it, it's completely unacceptable that we even consider that this African-American man might be innocent um, and in a very racist South uh, in the Depression era, you know, African-American individuals didn't have the rights that they so afford today. Um, and some would even argue that today they're not nearly where they should be, as we've seen throughout, um, especially the past five years or so, uh, as the the various Black Lives Matter protests have, have raised up. Um, however, I think it really is, it's a disservice to the value that a book like To Kill a Mockingbird brings to the table in not in not reading it as a piece that is supposed to be framed within the 1930s because I think not only for for students of color but also for white uh, students the the book To Kill a Mockingbird shows the value in treating every single person with equality uh, regardless of the color of their skin um, in the book, the, the the black man accused of rape is instantly, uh, by the community at large, found to be guilty before even the trial took place because, just because of the fact that he is a, a black man. Uh, and the value of To Kill a Mockingbird was to show that with racism, there are instances where you have individuals who are falsely accused uh, of committing crimes and that the color of the skin shouldn't be the ultimate uh, deciding factor in guilt or not. Um, so 
I understand the complaint that was raised with regards to the use of the N-word um, throughout the, the the book, but at the same point in time, that's that's reality. And I think one thing that's being forgotten is, is the fact that the teachers have a responsibility to teach. Um, that you know, you don't say the N-word in in today's uh, modern discourse, nor should they have said it in the past, but. The problem is, is that it, it happened. I mean, we cannot ignore the fact that the N-word is unfortunately a very dark part of our history. And, and with that, it should be taught, um, you know, that the book should be taught in the context that it is a 1930s, um, you know, story about a black man who was accused of rape uh, falsely and maliciously. Uh, so with that being said, I, I, I didn't want to spend too much time on this story because I... It is a very touchy subject to, to get into, uh, to, you know, talking about race, race relations here in, in 2018. But at the same point in time, um, I think it's being overlooked that not having uh, teachers do their job and actually teach what the content is within the appropriate context for each uh, story, it, it actually would hurt um, the, the students from taking away the value of the message that was present. Now, if if the main issue is the use of the N-word, then I would argue, then try to get uh, copies of To Kill a Mockingbird or, or The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn that don't use the N-word and still have the exact same premise of the, the novels intact, just with the exclusion of the N-word. Um, I'm not sure if that actually exists out there or if, if it's allowed, but if not, maybe that'd be a great opportunity for the uh, the free market to take, uh, to take the reins there and try to, at the very least, uh, you know, give them the meat and potatoes of the book without the use of the N-word. Um, but I do feel, again, that, you know, the use of the N-word in the book was, it was accurate to the time. So I don't understand why um, we're, we're trying to rewrite and whitewash history. History is a very dark thing. And if we don't learn from history and we essentially try to, to imagine a world where we're looking back on these rose-colored lenses at the, the, the terrible atrocities of, you know, uh, using hurtful derogatory terms to describe another human being, um, you know, trying to pretend that events didn't take place. It, it hurts us going forward trying to learn from our past mistakes so we make sure that, that those acts don't happen again. Um, you know, in the Holocaust Museum, there's a, a, great, uh, a great opportunity for you to see just the atrocities of the past and to make sure that that never again happens. Um, so I, I think it's really, it's a detriment to the students uh, that we are having a situation where two very impactful books talking about number one, a white boy and Huckleberry Finn being able to, to become friends with a black man in a time when that was you know, not even to be considered. And then more, you know, I think more prevalently the, the To Kill Mockingbird book, which really shows the value of trying to treat everyone with equality and, and to not let race be an issue in terms of deciding uh, guilt or innocence. I think getting rid of those books is an absolute uh, travesty, especially for the children uh, who are who are looking to to take away something of of positive quality going forward here in 2018. But uh, going forward, I didn't want to spend too much time on that. The next story is is just weird, and I think it, it's sad because it speaks so much of where we are today as a society. Uh, this is from The Verge. Now, before I begin this this uh, <laughs> little. Uh, tirade here about this this whole situation i had to uh, preface this 
entire uh, conversation with what's been going on uh, over the past month or so with uh, the this so-called Tide Pod Challenge. Now, I'm not sure if, if, if you have if you've been under a rock and you haven't heard about this. Essentially, what the Tide Pod Challenge is, very similar to what the, uh, the Kylie Jenner Challenge was, it's this stupid uh, internet sensation that's been going around where teens have been challenging each other to uh, eat or bite into a Tide Pod. Um, now, that's absolutely insane, uh, not only because, number one, it's a Tide Pod, and it's, it's laundry detergent, but number two, because Tide Pods are extremely concentrated forms of detergent um, with the, the high-efficiency washers, and, I mean, if you were to get certain parts of the Tide Pod, uh, the juice, if we will, into your eyes, um, you could actually blind you, uh, so... <clears throat> Just to start out that that you know preface this whole conversation, the Tide Pod Challenge is really what the the tipping off point here was for this next article. Uh, this is from The Verge. Uh, the Tide Pod saga seems like it will never end. Now the dangers of the oddly edible looking single use laundry detergent pods have reached lawmakers' joy. Yesterday, New York Assemblywoman Arvella Simotas and State Senator Brad Hoyleman propose a bill calling for manufacturers to make the laundry pods look less edible. This is so stupid. The pair announced the news uh, the pair announced the news at a press conference earlier today with Hoyleman noting, quote, "We are asking for all laundry detergent pods to be uniform in color. We don't need them to look like gummy bears in order for consumers to use them." They are also requesting that the Tide Pods or laundry pods should be made harder to bite through, as well as packaged in individual plastic wrappers with warnings on them. Despite YouTube and Amazon's efforts, record numbers of teens are still eating Tide Pods. This generation, I, I really, like, I know it's very cliche to say, oh, I pray for the next generation because they're so stupid. This is so stupid. Who eats a Tide Pod and, and thinks it's it's a good idea. I don't care if you're trying to impress your friends. I mean, I feel like my my mom, if your friend jumps off a bridge, will you join them too? Like, okay, if you're going to eat in a, a Tide Pod, are you going to join them too? At least the jumping off the bridge, can, you can jump into water. Tide Pod, there's no good results from this. Sorry, I, I, I digress. The two also sent a letter to the Tide Pod owner, uh, I'm sorry, the Tide owner, Procter & Gamble, requesting that, quote, you and other manufacturers must use stronger bittering agent to pre uh, prevent ingestion of pods. Reduce their pleasant smell, it's laundry soap, <laughs> reduce their pleasant smell and make them feel more firm in order to make the pods less attractive to small children and the elderly. Uh, because if you didn't know, Chuck Schumer thought he was going to eat a Tide Pod too, which, um, you know, that speaks to the uh, the intellect of our our uh, senior senator, senior, junior senator there from New York. He's been there too long. Um, along with the apparently senseless uh, teens intentionally trying to adjust them. Yes. Uh, per USA Today, the company has already responded to demands, commenting that, quote, color does not play a critical role in a child's accidental exposure to laundry packs. Very true. Uh, and the individually package, uh, packing the pods in plastic wrappers would not solve the problem. The company also noted that it already offers Tide Pods in uncolored versions, as well as traditional liquid and powder forms. Um... So let's break this down. First and foremost, uh, this is just stupid. I mean, this whole situation is just stupid. The fact that you have teenage kids eating Tide Pods, which, I mean, that's the only reason we're having this conversation. Uh, there wasn't a call, you know, two, three months ago to have Tide Pods uh, be regulated by the New York state government because you had amounts of, or massive amounts of, of kids and elderly uh, parents or elderly grandparents eating Tide Pods. It wasn't happening. Um, the issue is we have these stupid teenagers 
who are taking this stupid challenge and doing a stupid act and trying to eat a Tide Pod um, to try to be impressive to their friends. Now, I think it is kind of twofold. I, I'm not going to completely uh, take Tide's owner there, Procter & Gamble, and, and say that they're not... Uh, or that say they're entirely innocent because there is a good point. I mean, I think the the wrapping of the individual pods, it might be a good idea um, to wrap individual pods. Uh, it'd be a pain in the ass, though, for the consumer who's actually just using a Tide Pod as a Tide Pod. Um, but, uh, uh, but anyways, looking at this, I... I think we need to, as a society, take a step back and realize what the hell we're actually arguing about. Now, like I said, this was not an issue up until the point that we had this stupid Tide Pod challenge. So that tells me right away that this isn't some rampant issue where people are confusing Tide Pods with candy, unless you're Chuck Schumer and you see a Tide Pod and you thought it was a candy. Um, now, that's not to say that there, there were numbers of, of cases where you had either children or elderly eating Tide Pods. I'm not saying that at all. However, the number was so small that obviously it didn't even come across to be a, an issue that would cross the desk of an assemblywoman or a senator in New York up to the point now they can, they can politicize this to say that they need to then take the government to regulate Procter & Gamble to make the Tide Pods look, I guess, less, less edible, less... What what do you want to use the word? I mean, less desirable? I don't look at a Tide Pod and think it looks, like, delicious. Um, that's just, it's just so stupid. Um, so there's a couple points here where the letter that was sent to Procter & Gamble, number one, they said they want the, the manufacturers to use a stronger bittering agent to prevent ingestion of Tide Pods. Now, like, I've never licked a Tide Pod, so I, I can't really speak to this because um, yeah, I don't know what it tastes like. But I assume that the Tide Pod itself wouldn't exactly taste the best, just putting it in your mouth. I don't think the kids doing the Tide Pod Challenge are doing it for, for the delicious flavor that a Tide Pod seemingly has. Um, so that's number one. Number two, uh, reduce their pleasant smell. It's soap. It's laundry soap. Like, that's the whole point of laundry soap is to make your clothes smell good. It's not meant to be eaten. I mean... I have a a cinnamon apple spray f to make my room smell nice. I don't I don't huff that or you know put that in my mouth because it smells like apple cinnamon. I mean this is just this is just a stupid progression of thought here. Like a logical progression is to say that it shouldn't smell good so it doesn't taste good. That's dumb. You know the whole idea of a Tide Pod is to make your clothes smell good. Um, to make them feel more firm. I I don't know if the uh, if the assemblywoman here uh, and the, the senator here have ever had a hard candy, um, but I, I think it's a little ridiculous to assume that a hard Tide Pod uh, would would be less edible um, because, number one, that's not the issue here. That The issue is stupid teens. Um, and then this next point, and I think this might be the, the, at the very least, this is the more reasonable request would be to individually... Uh, package the the Tide Pods, but even still, again, it's because of kids being stupid, like these teens being stupid for the stupid challenge, that there's an issue. It's not a majority of these these incidents being the the young children and the elderly who are just mistaking these for candies. Now, if that was the case, yes, that would make sense to possibly uh, wrap each individual Tide Pod in a, a little plastic wrapper within the larger. Uh, 
receptacle that would handle the Tide Pods. But that's not the case. The case is that we had this stupid internet challenge that you then you had to have, you know, the star tight end for the Patriots and Rob Gronkowski do an entire commercial for it to say, don't eat a Tide Pod. It's not good for you. And it's a bad idea. I mean, this is, and we're going to break this down here as, as, as easy as possible. Number one, this is not a matter of government needing to come in and regulate anything. That's just, that's not the case at all. Uh, what this is a case of is a lack of personal responsibility. Now, if you are a parent and you are concerned that your child might take part in the Tide Pod challenge, then there's two options. Number one, don't let Tide Pods be in your house. And number two, if you have Tide Pods, then then put them up somewhere so your your teenage children won't find them, which is insane that we're even having to have this conversation. Um, now, the other side of this is you have uh, grocery stores who have now started to lock away Tide Pods um, or you know put them in a, a case where you have to have uh, either a store clerk or someone in the department come and let you in to get the Tide Pod, which again, that's just, it's just insanity. Um, it's like we, we have to start carting kids when they want to get Tide Pods. Um, now, with all that being said, and to try to, to tie a nice bow on this whole article, which is again, absolute insanity and just stupid, um, is it comes down to, uh, we need to start holding uh, the individual uh, as the person that, that dictates the outcomes of their own life. Um, you know, I, I sound cruel to say this, but like maybe we should, uh, we should let um, you know, evolution take its course uh, and let Darwinism take its course. Uh, but uh, I, I digress. Um, no, that's, that's, that's a little, little harsh, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but, but uh, no, when, when you, when you have, kids who are who are willingly eating Tide Pods and they know that they're not food that's not the the fault of the, the the producer it's not the fault of Tide now Tide they could respond on their own um and, and who knows they might uh you know they they said in their response that yes they, they do have these Tide Pods that are colorless so they're, they, they don't look like candy um which again that's not stopping these kids from doing this um they could say they want to wrap them in plastic, which if they do that on their own free will, more power to them. Um, and then, of course, they do have the the traditional liquid and powder forms. I, I'm afraid because, and this is just, uh, this is part of libertarianism, is that when you have the precedence for government to start regulation, it then is easier and easier to use that regulation in various uh, various forms based on, you know, just, just the feels. So right now we have this, the sensational issue where you have Tide Pods being eaten by uh, stupid teenagers, which will then trigger um, these these politicians to try and regulate a uh, a laundry detergent company, which is just stupid. This is the same arguments that were being used uh, when we had various shootings that they were trying to pin on uh, kids using video games, which um, you know, they were then trying to regulate the video game industry. And it's just it's absolute insanity because uh, you know there is no correlation between the two. Um, so I don't want to spend again too much more time on this, uh, but it's just it's it's just it's stupid. Um, if you're a parent, keep your Tide Pods locked up. If you're a teenager listening to this, don't do the stupid challenge. It's stupid. Uh, it's not good for you. You might die. It, you might go blind. Um, so just don't. Uh, <laughs> it's just how, why do we have to say this? This seems like common sense. I shouldn't have to to actually 
explicitly say, don't put a Tide Pod in your mouth. But it's 2018. Here we are. Good God. All right. Final article. Um, so this is um, this is, is kind of relatively new. Uh, this, this came out over the past few days. Uh, this is from USA Today. Uh, President Trump has expressed a desire for a massive military parade showcasing America's strength since before he even took office. Yet now it appears his vision is inching closer to becoming a reality. Trump asked the Pentagon to get the ball rolling on plans for a military, quote unquote, celebration. The White House did indeed confirm on Tuesday. Quote, President Trump is incredibly supportive of America's great service members who risk their lives every day to keep our country safe. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said in a statement. That's a that's a tongue twist right there. Sarah, Secretary Sarah Sanders said the statement. <laughs> For those of you playing along at home, say that ten times fast, and let's see how that goes. Uh, she continues saying he has asked the Department of Defense to explore a celebration at which all Americans can show their appreciation. Army Colonel Robert Manning, a Pentagon spokesman, said to uh, USA Today, "Quote: We are aware of the request and are in the process of determining specific details." That God bless this guy that has to think of specific details for a. a parade um that he, he's a he's an army colonel and this, this is he's now an event planner for a parade god bless um at a january 18th meeting at the pentagon with senior military officials trump's idea became a presidential directive the washington post reported citing unnamed officials quote the marching orders were i want a parade like one in france one unnamed official said according to the post this is being worked at the highest levels of the military because you know, of all the, the things that our military should be doing, which there's very little of, besides defending our country, um, putting on a, a parade the likes of uh, North Korea. Great idea. Um, Pentagon spokesman Charlie Summers told CNN that the planning is currently in its infancy. Now, the parade in France that Trump was reportedly referring to was the Bastille Day Parade uh, he attended with the French President Emmanuel Marcon on July, uh, July 14, 2017 in Paris. The parade includes tanks, soldiers in gleaming helmets, astride horses, and jets flying overhead. This is just stupid, too. Everything's stupid today. Um, when Trump met with Mar uh, Marcone at the United Nations General Assembly two months later, he said it was one of the quote-unquote greatest parades I've ever seen. We're going to have to try and top it, Trump told French President. Uh, <laughs> we are actually thinking about a 4th of July Pennsylvania Avenue parade having a really great parade to show, to show our military strength. The idea of a military parade down Washington's Pennsylvania Avenue came to Trump before the Bastille Parade, however. He's, he first mentioned this idea in an interview with The Post two days before his inauguration, saying, quote, I'm not going to do Trump voice anymore. Being a great president has to do with a lot of things, but one of them is being a great cheerleader for the country. There's a nice image for you, uh, Trump in a, a cheerleading costume with his, uh, his fun pom-poms on, uh, on July 4th, jumping up and down. Uh, quote, we are going to show the people as we build up our military, we're going to display our military. Uh, the military may come marching down Pennsylvania Avenue, he continued. The military may be flying over New York City and Washington, D.C. for parades. I mean, we're going to be showing our military. In, in redundant Trump, Trump was redundant. Um, as far back as 2011, Trump has been promoting the idea of parades to honor American service members. Now, <clears throat> that's, this is just, again, this is just so much to uh, unwrap. Um, now, there was a couple of great responses um, that were coming out as, as news of this uh, popped up. So the first one, and I'll pull this up here now as I'm doing this, um, Justin Amash, who is easily one of the more, more outspoken uh, libertarian representatives that we have in, in Congress, uh, he came out and he uh, he basically said, all right, 
great. If you want to have a parade, let me get the exact quote. Um, parade, yeah, as long as it's it, we're bringing the troops home. Um, same thing basically from Rand Paul. Uh, just the fact <laughs> that here we are in uh, in 2018, we have thousands of troops all across the world. Um, I, I think people know the strength of the United States military because either A, we, we've occupied them, B, we've been bombing them, or, or C, um, they're afraid <laughs> they're afraid of us, which isn't exactly a great means to um, to spark uh, positive relationships. I never really I've never really found anyone who had a positive relationship, be it professional or personal, um, that was uh, you know really fostered by a, a feeling of fear. Um, so this whole story about this military parade, I just see you know dollar signs that we don't have. Our military number one is so so overexpanded it it's billions and billions if not trillions of dollars that we have spent into growing this military uh, to keep up with our our occupation of various countries across the world at what point are we going to say all right enough we need to to pull things back and really reevaluate now candidate trump he uh he kind of had the ron paul approach to uh, non-interventionalism versus isolationism, but being non-interventionalist, uh, you know, he, even though he was for the Iraq war at the onset, then he was against the Iraq war. Um, you know, Trump kind of had this, this Ron Paul approach to foreign policy. And, uh, I mean, since he started as president of the United States, that seems to really have gone away. And I, I have read, you know, a couple articles that basically say that it happens for every president. Um, you know, even Barack Obama, before he, he became president, he was touting these non-interventionalist policies, um, not to the extent that Trump was, you know, so so adamantly saying the Iraq war was a mistake. Uh, but I, I say this half-heartedly, I'm kind of almost happy that Rand Paul didn't win because I would have been heartbroken to have to watch Rand Paul uh, maintain current United States foreign policy. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, but end of the line, this, this entire story about this military parade, it's, it's insane. Um, the fact that we would even consider spending millions of dollars at the logistics that this would require is, is out of this world We're we're 20 plus trillion dollars in debt. Why are we spending extra, you know, extra money on a, a parade? Um, it just, it's, it's, it's absolute insanity. I, I don't see any value behind uh, doing this. America has easily the strongest military in the world. Uh, all of our allies know it. All the people in the United States know it. I'm not sure why we need to, um, you know, pardon the expression, have a dick measuring contest with the likes of, of France or, you know, to, to do something like that of North Korea where they do these kind of parades, uh, you know, routinely. I don't see the value in doing that. I, I honestly think it's just a big waste of time and a, a big waste of money. Um, but with that being said, uh, what were your, what are your thoughts? Um, do, did you think uh, that Trump, he's doing the right thing here? I don't believe that you would. If you're listening to this show, hopefully you're a libertarian. If you're conservative, um, who, who served in the military and you think, Hey, you know what? Go for this. You know, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at B Nichols Liberty. Give me your thoughts. Tell me why this is a good thing. Um, I, I don't see the value in spending millions of dollars on a, a silly parade. Um, uh, but Hey, educate me. Tell me where I'm wrong. Um, so with that being said, guys, thank you so much for, for joining us today for another episode of the Brian Nichols show. Yeah. Today's episode is a little short. Um, wanted to keep it a little more fun, lively, uh, not too, uh, not too intense. Just wanted to have a little fun. Uh, we had a couple really great episodes there, uh, prior 
We really got into the weeds, dug deep uh, with some great guests. Got a really great guest coming up for you guys uh, this next week. A little, little surprise. Um, but heads up, it's actually somebody pretty uh, pretty far up there in uh, in, in the political spec, uh, specter, um, you know, way back uh, with the Bush administration. So, uh, But still a very noted, uh, noted individual in, in politics. So uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that. Um, but with that being said, guys, thank you so much for, for joining me again on the Brian Nichols Show. As always, follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty, or feel free to subscribe on Patreon at B Nichols Liberty as well. Um, and as always, please feel free to rate and review on iTunes and it, wherever you get your podcasts from. Share with family and friends. But until next time, folks, this is Brian Nichols and the Brian Nichols Show. We'll talk to you soon.